Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome everyone uh, here in Greenfield and to everyone joining us online, wherever you're at. Uh, we are so glad that you are making part of your day to be with us. And if you're listening later on podcast, uh, welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tyler, and I serve as one of the pastors here. And when I was in college, I actually went to Northern Illinois University out in DeKalb, Illinois. And I was a, I was a Christian, but I wasn't planning on being a pastor at the time. And so I was just getting my undergrad and, and going through that. And uh, uh, But even though I was a Christian, I was still partnering with God to fulfill the vision to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. And so for me, it was just looking at doing that at the dorms of Northern Illinois, which is right in the middle of the cornfield, if you've never been to uh, DeKalb. And uh, so I have a couple roommates who are not Christians, uh, but they were open to uh, spiritual conversations. And so uh, we're we're talking and and, uh, they're asking questions about Jesus. And so I'm able to kind of talk about my experience. And they're actually even open then to go to uh, these campus gatherings. Uh, that was put on at, at our campus by a nationally known uh, campus ministry called Crew. And so they would go and we, we'd be there for several months. And even after a couple years, their curiosity just began to grow and grow. In fact, we would actually read parts of the Bible together and uh, they would actually meet with leaders of Crew and, and they begin to ask more questions. And it led to a night uh, where I was walking home with one of these roommates, a guy named Nick. We're walking back from one of those Crew gatherings. And uh, we're just talking a little bit more, and we get to a spot uh, in the conversation where I just asked him, I said, hey, Nick, do you ever think you'd get to a spot where you would actually make the decision to follow Jesus? And and he looked at me, and he said, you know what? I think I'm ready. And so in the middle of walking home, we actually stopped to the side and and actually sat down on a bench, and and he prayed right there. He said, "Uh, God, I want to follow you. I wasn't following you. Now I want to follow you. And, And so he's making this prayer, and it's such an incredible moment to be a part of someone who's making the decision to follow Jesus. Like, it was just really cool to be a part of that. And when he's done, you know, we're high fiving. We're like, this is so great. Let, let's go back and let's, let's tell our other roommate what just happened. And so we walk back into our dorm room and the other roommate is there. We tell him what's going on. And uh, that's other roommate just uh, looks at Nick and I. He's like, man, this is really cool. It's really good for you. But I don't think I can make that decision. I don't think I could follow uh, Jesus. And, uh, and I looked at him, and I'm like, okay, you know, and I just asked him, well, why do you think that? And he kind of just sat back and, and just kind of thought for a moment. And, and this guy, I mean, he, he was very philosophical. Uh, he loved to debate, but he was slow on making decisions. And so he, he kind of just sat back and, and, and just think, he's like, you know, I've got to be honest. I don't think I would ever follow a God who says that his way is the only way to him. He's like, I, I don't think that's very kind or very long. I, I just don't think I could follow a God like that. And my bet is that many of you have come across someone who has said something like that. Perhaps you have said something like that. I know I have said something like that at some point in my life as well. And it's that thought that leads us to today's 
Hot Topic. If you're new with us, uh, we're in the middle of a series that we're calling Hot Topics. And what we're doing is we are actually looking at some of these hot topics that those who are outside of the church said, hey, I want the church to talk about this. And they told us about this in a survey online that we got on Reddit and Twitter and, and, and other sites. And they said, these are some hot topics that we would love to hear about. And, and as we talk about these, there's really two goals that we have for these hot topics. The first one is that we want to create a safe place where we can talk about these hot topics, where we can learn and grow together. Because if we don't talk about these, these hot topics could actually stall us on our faith journey and wherever we may be on our faith journey. And we think the church should be the safest place to talk about uh, the, these hot topics. And the second goal is this, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, we know that these are hot topics that you might have the tendency to want to avoid because you aren't sure how to talk about them. And so what we want to do is we want to look at these hot topics through these appropriate filters, but through what Jesus said about these things, through what scripture says about these things. And we want to look at these filters, not just to know the answer, but we want to wrestle with these and talk about these in ways that are very thoughtful and very loving, where we can approach them in a thoughtful, loving, and kind way. And today's hot topic may be one of the hottest topics of them all. It was one that my college roommate was wrestling with, and you might be wrestling with as well. And it's centered around this question. And the question is, well, is Jesus the only way to God and heaven? And I've talked to many, many, many people over the years who have wrestled with this question. In fact, when I was in college and outside of college, talked to many college students that were like, ah, I don't know about that. And my bet is, is that you know someone that's like, ah, I don't know about this one. And, and like I said, when I was younger, I really, really wrestled with this as well because it just feels almost, you know, when you look at this idea of only one way, almost exclusive and unkind and intolerant and almost not like what we would think about Jesus. And so what do we deal with this and how do we deal with the claim that Jesus is the only way to God and heaven? And so we're going to talk about it and we're going to wrestle with it head on. And, and this idea, it actually comes from a claim found throughout scripture. And it's actually a quoting Jesus, and it's found in the book of John. And I want to give a little context for this. John is one of Jesus's closest followers, uh, known as the disciples, and, and they were really good friends. And John uh, wrote about his interactions and his conversations with Jesus. And this one particular conversation, this is actually written the night before Jesus was arrested and killed. And so John and the other disciples are having this meal with Jesus, and this is just a few days after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, and people were, were cheering his name. Like, they're so excited that Jesus was there. And the reason why was they thought Jesus was going to be this Messiah. But the Messiah that they thought was going to be the one that was going to come and overthrow the Roman Empire because this government was oppressing them. And they thought that the Messiah was actually going to restore the nation of Israel back to where it was with having this unique relationship with God where God would bless them um, over the rest of the world. And so they thought Jesus was going to do that. And so the disciples, they're having this meal with Jesus. And they think that this night is the night before it, it, it's going to be a great day. They're thinking, okay, you know, the, the, the uh, Roman oppression, it's going to be gone by tomorrow. So let's have this great meal and enjoy this time together. And they're having this meal. 
And Jesus starts talking to them about some different things, and he begins to shift the mood of the conversation. And this is what John tells us Jesus says to them. John says, Jesus, this is him quoting Jesus. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Why is he saying that? Because their hearts were troubled. Jesus just told them some things that they were getting depressed about, and so Jesus is comforting them. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, this passage might feel familiar to you. It's often read at a lot of funerals. And this idea of father's house, we think of as heaven. And we read it at a funeral, and if the person's deceased, we we might tend to think, okay, Jesus has prepared a place for this person in heaven. He's come back to take this person to be in their father's house to be with them in heaven. Very natural thought. Except back then, the disciples, they aren't thinking about heaven. All they're thinking about is the government oppression on them. And so when Jesus is bringing this up, and he's using this language, they get confused. And then Jesus tells them something that even gets them more confused. He says, you know the place where I am going. And this word know literally means see. And so he's like, hey guys, guess what? You know where I'm going. And not only do you know where I'm going, you know the way and you have seen the way to get there. And they're like, whoa, what? What What, what do you mean? Like, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. How could we know where you're going? And even more, how could we know the way? Because we aren't even sure we've seen the way because we don't know where you're going at all. And so they're getting more and more and more uh, confused with what Jesus is saying. And then one of the disciples, he decides to verbalize the confusion that they have. And, th- and this guy, his name is Thomas. And Thomas says this to Jesus. He said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How could we possibly know the way? You know, because we just don't know the destination. We don't know the route. What, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you saying? And what Thomas is doing, he's being actually like my five-year-old son, Brennan. I, I love this about my son, Brennan. Uh, when he doesn't know something, he wants to figure it out. And so when my son, he gets a, a, a toy that he has to build and put together, like a Hot Wheels set, which are the coolest toys, by the way, but he gets these Hot Wheels sets, and he's putting together the tracks, and when he gets stuck putting them into the tracks, uh, he, he'll call out for me, but he's not asking me just to put it together for him. He's like, hey, Dad, I want you to show me to put it together, and so I put it together, and he's like, okay, take it apart so that he can put it together. Like, he wants to know how to do it. I love that about him, and that's what Thomas is doing here. He's like, hey, Jesus, we don't know so help us know. And so Jesus, help us know the way. And this sets us up for this claim that leads us to this hot topic. And and, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus answered to him, hey, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is getting crystal clear here. And he's showing them that this isn't about the oppression of the Roman government. He says, I am going somewhere far better and far bigger than that. The place where I am going is with the Father. And there is a way to the Father. And and he's telling them, hey guys, you have seen the way and you know the way because the way is me. And I am the way to God the Father in heaven. And notice he doesn't say, 
a way. He, he says the way. He's like, hey, I'm not a way to get to God. I'm not a way. You know, I'm not an option. You know, I'm not just one of several. I am the way to be with God in heaven. And, and they realize, oh, this is so much bigger than the oppression of the government. But this is about the oppression of our sin. Because Jesus is saying, I am going to provide a way to be forgiven of our sin. In fact, that very next day, Jesus was arrested and killed. And when he was killed, he took our sin and he took their sin and he killed it on the cross. And then the next day, a few days after that, he actually rose from the dead to show that he even had power over sin and death to prove to them that this statement was true, that he was the way to be with God the Father in heaven. And they realized it. They're like, oh, wow, he, he, was, he was right. In fact, they realized it so much that if you fast forward several weeks, they took this statement that Jesus made and they started saying it to others to invite others to make the decision to follow Jesus. If you look in the book of Acts early on, these disciples, they said this. They said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. They're taking Jesus' statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. They're taking it, and they are saying it and sharing it with others. And they said, this is how we are saved. You might be wondering, saved from what? And that's being saved from the penalty of our sin. Because they're sharing that message that our sin is so much bigger than government oppression. Our sin, it actually kills relationships. It kills our relationship with God. It kills our relationship with other people. It kills and destroys, and there's nothing we can do about it. It has to be paid for by someone else, and that someone else was Jesus because Jesus was without sin. He was perfect, and that's why he said, I can take on your sin. I can nail it to the cross. I can deal with it. I can restore your relationship with God, and that is why he made the claim, and they shared the claim that Jesus is the way the truth, and the life to God in heaven. And it's this claim that honestly, some in our culture struggle with. This was the claim that my, my roommate in college struggled with. This might be the claim that you might struggle with. This was the claim that when I was younger and I would hear this and I would hear what other worldviews are thinking, I'm thinking, I'm kind of struggling with this. Like to say the way, like that Jesus is it, that almost violates what Jesus stood for, at least what I understood Jesus to stand for. And most culture, they, they kind of wrestle with this, and they wrestle with it this way. They're like, they, they acknowledge that Jesus was there, and that he lived long ago, and that you look at the teachings of Jesus, you're like, wow, those teachings are really good. Like, love one another as I've loved you, and, you know, peace I leave with you, and, and, and do not judge. Like, those are great teachings, and they're awesome teachings. And then Jesus would perform these miracles, and the miracles were great. And you'd look at who Jesus would interact with, and he'd interact with people in all walks of life. And so he's validating and accepting people no matter what they were or whatever they did or, or whoever they were. He, I mean, he just accepted them all. Like, I mean, he just seems so inclusive. And then when he makes this claim that he is the way to God in heaven, that's where we're like, oh, oh, oh. That doesn't feel as inclusive as I thought Jesus was. Like, that, that, that almost feels exclusive. And, that, and that's where we feel like, ooh, it almost like we struggle with that. And the reason why our culture struggles with that is this claim at, at face value seems to violate two high ideals that our culture has. 
And those two high ideals are pluralistic thinking and a view of tolerance. And here's what I mean by each. Pluralistic thinking is the idea that there is more than one correct way to think. And this is the idea that, hey, what's true for me is true for me and it's true for me. And what's true for you is true for you, so that's true for you and good for you. And then what's true for that person is true for that person, so that's good for, for that person. And it's just more than one correct way to think. If you were to define worldviews and world religions culturally, uh, our culture might think of it like this. It's like a bicycle wheel with all the different spokes going into one hub, where the one hub might be that one God. And then there's all these different spokes that kind of lead towards it. And this is like one worldview, and this is one world religion and this is Christianity, and this is another world religion, and they're all just leading to the same view. And, and because they're all these different spokes, they, they must be all right. And that's how pluralistic view thinks. And when Jesus says, well, I am the way, and that's it, it seems to violate all of this. And then the idea with tolerance, tolerance is the ability to sympathize with or allow different beliefs or practices other than your own. And so the idea of tolerance is, hey, we're going to tolerate whatever someone else is believing or doing. I'm going to tolerate them and tolerate them. The only thing I won't tolerate is something that feels like it's intolerant. And that's where we lead into conflict because we aren't sure what is intolerant or what is tolerant. And, that, and that's where things just begin to, to lead into the, those views. And so these are the two values that the claim hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life seem to, to buck up against. And for many, they would look at Jesus's claim and they would say, oh, that feels exclusive. That feels intolerant. And that feels unkind and, and, and unfair. And you might wrestle with that or you know someone who wrestles with that. But what I want us to do is I want us to, to really just kind of look at that for, for, for a second. I, wanna, I want us to really talk about this and wrestle with this and maybe challenge some of these views real quick. Because maybe what Jesus is saying might actually be the most kind and loving thing that he could have said for any of us. And so, so let's, let's talk about it and let's look at this and let's let ourselves be stretched and challenged for a little bit, okay? So the first one, this idea that Jesus has claimed that he is the only way to God in heaven, is it really exclusive? And this idea of excluding others, I mean, we, we can wrestle with that. In fact, uh, uh, Christian professors uh, long ago, J. Herbert Cain, for example, who, who, who's around several decades ago, he's a Christian professor and a missiologist. So his life's work was to go into other countries and to help others find and follow Jesus. He actually wrote this decades ago about Christianity, and I think this is only amplified today. Here's, here's what he said. He said, it is safe to say that the most offensive aspect of 20th century Christianity is its exclusiveness. That you're going to struggle because it feels like it's exclusive and keeping others out. But what I want us to think about is maybe when it comes to being exclusive, we might be misinformed on exclusivity. Because the truth is, is that all, any worldview and any world religion and any thought has a degree to it some level of exclusiveness. In fact, claiming that you don't believe in exclusivity is actually exclusivity. Because you're excluding the thoughts that would say, hey, there's some level of exclusion. Like we all have some level of exclusivity. Any worldview does as well. And, and this isn't a bad thing. This is just what's true. I mean, if you look at uh, Islam, for example, I mean, they, they would say that there is one God, Allah, and one prophet, Muhammad. I mean, that's an exclusive claim. If you were to look at atheism, atheism would say there is no God. 
that's an exclusive claim. If you were to look at agnostics, and when they would say, there is no possible way that you can know, we just don't know. I mean, there is an exclusive claim there. I mean, there's exclusive claims in all worldviews and all world thoughts. It's just, it's just there. Now, you're also really rational and really smart, and so we know this. We know this at face value. You can't have multiple exclusive claims that all say that their way is right, and they all be right. It, it just can't happen. And so that's when we look at exclusivity, that we all have some level of exclusivity. Now, you might be wondering, but what about all the world religions and all the world views that basically say the same thing anyways? Like, there's a lot of overlap in a lot of different world religions. Where does that come from? Well, I want us to think about that in the terms of a math problem. And I know many of your math people are like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. But, but think about this math problem, you know? Look at 4,400 divided by 80. If you were to look at this problem, and if you were to answer, it's going to equal this 55 every single time. Now, if you're in a math class, and if you don't have access to your iPhone or your calculator, and a math teacher, and a math teachers get this, and they say, hey, I want you to figure this problem out and show us your work. Here's where we run into issues, and we know, okay, we might take the right first step, you might take the right second step, you might divide the right first number by the second number, you might go down, the, you might take the right few, first few steps, but you can make a mistake anywhere along the way. And that's what we see about any world religions. I mean, we, we can look at many different worldviews and religions and see there's great moral teaching and, and there's great, beautiful lessons taught there. However, they miss the mark where Jesus said, here's the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we think, oh, that feels exclusive, when we really look at it, what we see about Christianity is that Christianity is really the least complicated and the most inclusive religion. And I don't even really like calling it a religion, and you'll see why in just a little bit, but it's actually the least complicated and most inclusive. And, and here's why. If you were to look at other world religions and other world views, they're centered around this one word, do. You have to do enough to be good. There are rules you have to do. There are beliefs that you have to do. And, and whatever it might be, you have to do it to be accepted or to be a part of whatever that worldview or world religion is. The problem is, is you don't know how much you have to do. You don't know how good is good enough. It's like if you have a job and you're a salesperson at that job, and your boss goes to you and says, hey, you have to make this sales quota or you are fired. And you're like, okay, great, what's the sales quota? And I'm not gonna tell you. You just gotta figure it out. And you gotta sell, 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 and you keep going after it, hoping that you sell enough to keep your job. Well, what's gonna happen? You're gonna burn out, you're gonna get tired, and you're gonna end up wanting to walk away from that all. And that's what do is. You don't know how good is good enough. You just keep doing and doing and doing until you realize, I can't do enough, and then you're excluded. But with Christianity, it's spelled a different way. And it's spelled done. Because it's not about what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you. Because you can't do anything to pay for your sin. But Jesus has come, and what he has done is he has paid for your sin on the cross. He nailed it on the cross for you. And all you have to do is to receive what Jesus has done for you. What Paul, one of the early church leaders, said, uh, he wrote this to a church living in Ephesus. And he said this. He said, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not based on what you do. 
It's not by works so that you can't brag about it. It's not about what you do to have your sin forgiven because you can't do enough. It's what Jesus has done for you. And what's so great about this and why this is so inclusive is that Jesus has done this not just for a select few people, but Jesus' invitation to have this be done for you is open to anybody. His invitation to you, to anyone that you've come across ever. This invitation is available to anyone who's ever lived. It's available to anyone, anywhere, regardless of whatever they've done. The invitation is very simple. Just follow me. Just follow me and receive what I have done. Or in other words, how is following Jesus inclusive? It's this inclusive. You don't do anything. You simply accept someone. And it's open and available to anybody. Jesus' invitation to you is just accept me. Just accept me. Accept what I have done for you. And so, Jesus is inclusive, but what about this claim feeling intolerant? Because doesn't the claim that I am the only way, the truth, and the life to God in heaven, I mean, doesn't that feel intolerant? Well, let me talk about it this way. I want you to imagine that you are giving instructions to your house uh, to someone that you know and love. Maybe, maybe it's your family. I, I have to do this often. My family lives in uh, the, the Rockford, Illinois area, and I live in Hills Corners, Wisconsin, you know, just outside of Milwaukee. And uh, they're from the rural part of northern Illinois, and so they have to take the freeway to get up you know, to, to the Hills Corners area. They don't like getting off exits in suburbs. And so we always have to talk about which one do they need to get off. And there's usually two options for them. Uh, they can get off at Moreland and and take Grange to get to Hills Corners, uh, but they don't like doing that because they got the big roundabouts there, and they're like, we don't have roundabouts in cornfields, so you know we don't know what to do in there. And then uh, the other option for them is they can take the left exit and, uh, to get onto Layton off of 43, but then they're like, everyone like flies and speeds in the left exit lane. We don't like being in there. What do we do? And so I'm like, okay, you know, we'll figure this out. And, and so usually I'm giving them different instructions on how to get to our house. But this summer, Grange Avenue, which is off of the Moreland exit, has been under construction and closed most of the summer. And so I have to tell them there is only one way to get to our house this summer. Just get in the left lane. You're going to be fine. I don't know if you have to deal with this with your family, but I'm just like, no, no, no. You Just get in the left lane. Get in the exit. It's probably the more direct route anyway. That's the only way you can get to our place. Now, is that intolerant of me of telling them, hey, here's how you get to my house? No, I mean, in fact, I'm, I'm saying this is the way that you can come and hang out with your grandkids and spend some time with them and, and ha- have, have a way. And when Jesus says, I am the way to God in heaven, it would only be intolerant if it wasn't true. But Jesus is saying, no, I love you enough to give you a way to get here. And so I love you enough that, that, you know, if there was another way, I would let you know about it. But since I am the way to get to where you want to go, I want you to know, and I love you enough to tell you that I am the way that you can get to where you want to go. I love how Ashley Woodridge, who's a pastor out at uh, Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, describes it. He says it like this. He says, instead of questioning that there is only one way to God, let's be thankful that God actually loved us enough to provide a way. And so Jesus isn't intolerant. He loves us enough to give us a way to where we want to go. And then this leads to the third challenge that we might often have with this claim. And that is, it sort of feels unfair. 
If Jesus is the only way, I mean, is that really loving and fair to all people? I mean, and it's usually asked this way, like, what, what about people who have never heard about Jesus? You know, if I'm in a remote country and there isn't a church or there isn't a Christian and someone never heard about Jesus, what about them? I mean, it just kind of feels kind of unfair. And, and, and I get that. I mean, I've, I've asked that. And I've wrestled with that. And I still, uh, t- still wrestle with that because to be completely honest, we don't know fully about them. I mean, Scripture isn't 100% cu- uh, clear about someone who has never, ever heard. But a couple things I've learned. One, I'm not God. All right. And so I, it's not up for me to say, hey, who gets in or who doesn't get in? Like, I can't play God. And so I'm not even going to pretend that, that I can make those claims. But what I can say is that when you read through scripture, there's a few consistencies that we see about God. And that is God is good. God is loving. God is just. God wants people to come to him through Jesus And God wants to do and does what is best for the people that he loves. He wants people to come to him. He doesn't want anyone to not come to him. And Peter, Jesus's closest friend, I mean, he describes it like this. He said, the Lord God is not slow in keeping his promise. This is his promise to return, to come back to this world. As some understand slowness. Instead, God is patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance, to come to him through Jesus because Jesus is the way. And it's this idea that, hey, since God hasn't come back yet, it might be because God's just in heaven and he's looking and he's looking and he's like, hey, that person's going to follow Jesus. I'm going to wait for them. Hey, that person's going to follow Jesus. I'm going to wait for him. Hey, that person, they're going to wait for Jesus. They're going to turn to Jesus. I'm going to wait for them to make the decision to follow Jesus. He's just waiting and waiting and drawing people to him. In fact, we've seen it all throughout scripture and all throughout history that God is just drawing people to him. He's revealing himself to him and hoping and wanting them to turn to him, to come to him through Jesus. In fact, uh, just a couple years ago, we heard of a survey done by Pew Research. In 2018, they actually uh, came across several hundred um, individuals who were Muslim and living in uh, predominantly Muslim uh, countries that had no Christians and no churches, but yet they're turning to Jesus and they're making decisions to follow Jesus. And so they surveyed them. They said, hey, how did you hear about Jesus? How, how did you make the decision to follow him? And out of 600 25% of them said, we had a dream. And we had these dreams, and these dreams were from Jesus. You know, we saw Jesus in these dreams, and he was telling us these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they began to check it out and began to understand these claims. They said, we wanted to follow Jesus. We wanted to turn to him because God revealed himself to us. God wants people to turn to him through Jesus. And so what about those who have never heard? What about those who don't know? I don't know for sure, but here's what I do know. You know. Those of us here today, those of us here in Greenfield, those of us who are joining us online, those of us who are watching later or listening later on a podcast, and and you've, you've been this far, you know. You know that Jesus made this claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. And so what are you going to do about it? It's time. And so as as I wrap up my time here with us, I just want to uh, wrap up by speaking to two two, two groups of people. 
And the first group is full of individuals who you're here and you're, you're tuning in. And you would say that you've been a follower of Jesus, that you have taken the way to follow Jesus, to experience your relationship with God restored. And you might be wondering, well, what does this mean about everyone else, you know, who has a different worldview? Does that mean that I go around and just tell them they're wrong, you know, hey, wrong, 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 wrong? No, 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 I don't, I don't think of it like that. But the way that we want to think about it is if we were giving someone guidance to our house. You know the way. You know the way. And so since you know the way, since someone has shared the way with you, what we want to do is we want to lovingly share the way with them. We build trust. We build relationships with them. We invest in them. And we had hoped that we would bring the hope of Jesus to them. That's why we talk about your one. And we have the resources for your one on our website. And who is that person that... Since you know the way, you would lovingly share the way with them. Not because they're wrong or not because they're a project, but because you love them and you care about them. And you want to show them the way to God. And you want to show them the way through Jesus. And so who's that one? Others of you, you're here, you're tuning in, you're joining us, and you have not yet made the decision to follow Jesus. But you realize, okay, Jesus is the way. I want to take that way. I want to follow him. I came here and, and I wasn't following him, but now I want to follow him. I want to have that relationship with God restored. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to take that. And so what we're going to do in just a moment, uh, wherever you are, we're, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray together. And if you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus and to have him be your way, I want you to make this prayer your, your own. There's nothing magical about my prayer. Uh, there's nothing, uh, you know, like, hey, you know, because I said it, you know, that, that's what you have to say. But I want you to take it and make it your own between you and God, where you would tell God, God, I want to follow you. I want to take the way, and I want you to forgive me of my sin. And I want Jesus to restore my relationship with you. And so that's what you do. You just make this between you and God. And so we're going to take a moment uh, and we're going to join in. We're going to pray together. So if you're online, if you're listening on a podcast, if you're joining us here in Greenfield, let's just take a moment. Let's all pray uh, together and just make this commitment. Say, Jesus, you're the way. You are the truth and the life. And we get to experience God in heaven because of you. God, we acknowledge that we've sinned. We've fallen short. We, we've, we've messed up. And that sin has killed our relationship with you and with others. But Jesus, you took that and you nailed that on the cross. It is done. And so God, we accept that. We receive that gift that you have given us. And because of that, we receive your gift of new life. Jesus, you said that. You are, you're the life. You're the truth. You're the way. And so Jesus, we take that way. And God, we thank you that you've given us the way in Jesus. And we commit to following him. And we thank you for our relationship restored with you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you just um, made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, I want you to know we are so excited for you. We are excited that you are taking that step uh, to acknowledge that Jesus is the way for you uh, to experience uh, uh, this life with God. And what's great is this is a, the most important step that you can take on this journey to follow God, uh, but it's still the first step. And there are several steps to take after that. And so we actually want to help you continue to get started on this journey of following Jesus. You may have several questions to take after this, and we want to help you 
uh, begin to process that and figure it out. And so the easiest way that we can help you do that is if you would let us know that you made the decision to follow Jesus by taking out your phone and just texting the word Jesus uh, to the phone number that you'll see. That's 414-509-0339. And when you text Jesus that number, what will happen over the next couple of weeks is you're going to get a few text messages sent back to you, uh, about one a day, and they're going to contain some short readings or some short videos. And uh, what they'll do is uh, just help you understand these next steps. And then at, towards the end of those couple of weeks, one of our team members is actually going to reach out to you, and uh, you, they can answer any questions you may have, and they'll help you take your next step after that. We promise we won't spam you after that. We just want to do this as an opportunity to help you get started on this journey. So I hope you uh, pull out your phone and just text the word Jesus uh, to that phone number. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.